Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Damen und Herren und Willkommen zu das AFTN Fußballshow. Sorry, I, I just came all over a little German there. Sorry, Hans. Because uh, this is our special German-themed episode of the AFTN Soccer Show broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. Ich heiße Michael McCall. Und ich bin Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And willkommen once again. It's nice to see that I can put my high school German to good use. I have talked about this on the show before. I failed my high school German exam because my oral wasn't very good. But I have worked hard on my oral over the years and hopefully people have been more pleased by that as as you heard tonight. But yeah, this is going to be our special German-themed show. So I, I thought, let's get in the mood. Let's channel our inner Germans. And Zach, you are of German descent. I am. What, yeah. what does it mean to you to be German? Uh, well, I, actually, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm probably more not German actually. Uh, on uh, well, the the name side, is, I'm is where the name comes from. I'm more German on the other side. Uh, like I'm more German on my mom's side than my dad's side. But uh, no, like for me, it's just it's a it's a place and a culture where my family came from, and uh, obviously there's uh, significant elements of the history of, of the country that are. Uh, you know, negative and that are yeah. you know, still, still still stereotyped to this day. Well, it's uh, nice to see that you have grown your moustache out full for, for this episode. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my. Um, but uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's a wonderful place. It's a wonderful uh, culture. And, um, and most significantly to our show, it has a tremendous, tremendous, and in my opinion, the best um, or some... Some might say superior uh, culture when it comes to football, man. Like the, the German football culture. Is, well, is you say that, but your female team lost to England. And now in Scotland, all we're going to hear about is that England won a major trophy again. Yeah, We've I had feel... 1966 rammed down our throats. Now it's going to be 2022. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed about that. I, I was all set. I had my tweet already going. It's nice to see that English women have achieved equality so quickly in the game over there. 
going out to Germany on penalties. And I never <laughs> got to never got to tweet that out. I, I will say, though, I, I did watch the final on UEFA TV and a couple of cracking goals throughout the whole tournament, really. But I think England did deserve that. They seem a, a really nice gr- group of players. And I can't believe I'm saying that about an English team. But it was a great occasion. And what that is going to do to the game in England and throughout the UK, it's going to just get so many more eyes and so much more investment on it. And that can only be good for the women's game. And it's another... Another thing that Canada have to watch for because it does feel that these other countries are creeping up on Canada a little bit now. It, yeah, for sure. It is crazy when you can't, like, if you want to see the growth of the women's game in Europe, when you look back to, I can't remember what year it was, but it was in the, within the last 10 to 15 years when England last hosted, I believe it was the Euro again. Yeah, it'd be 96, and, and, yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's the men you're talking about. I'm talking about the women. Oh, sorry. They hosted, I think it was the Euro. It could have been the World Cup, but I'm pretty sure it was the Euro. And they like could they were like playing the games in like non-league grounds. They, no one would come. They wouldn't even yep. get a thousand people to a game. And now you have a, a the final the final of the Euro in front of almost eighty eight thousand at, at Wembley. Like it's it's it was an amazing atmosphere. Done. And like the the English media, as they do in these occasions, got right behind the team. And it's like, these women are household names now. And it, it was a good tournament. And it is something that Canada has to watch for. Canada needs to get a professional league. Canada needs to get opportunities for their female players to play. Or they're going to fall further behind in, in the world game. And it, it is a, a real danger. I know Canada's sitting as gold medal winners in the Olympics, but... You're only as good as your last tournament. That's basically what it boils down to. True. We'll be talking a little bit, though, about some of the the female opportunities in Canada in this show, because in part four, we're going to be looking at League One BC. They had their championship games on Monday. We're recording this on Monday, August 1st, BC Day. It's been a busy day for me commentating the, the two finals at Swangar Stadium. So we're going to wrap that coverage up in part four. We've got some good interviews coming out of that one as well. In part one, we're going to be looking at the Whitecaps fighting draw in Nashville on Saturday. Uh, another great road point. And in parts two and three, you might be wondering, why is this our German-themed show? Well, let me explain all. Because in part two, I have a great sit-down chat with the newest Whitecap, Julian Gressel. Really good chat there. We just look at his career and his moving over to, to America, first of all, at college and then coming to MLS and the move to the Whitecaps and all that that entailed. And then in part three, we talked to his podcast partner, Fabian Herbers. I caught up with him after the Chicago game a, a little bit ago. And we're going to play a fun game to see which one of the two of them is the most German. And then we'll see how Zach compares in that as well. <laughs> and... I've got some German music on the show and some German-themed music. Our artists of the month are a German band. I was going to actually have them in September, but with this being a German-themed episode, I've brought it forward to August. Electric Cowboy. They've changed their name. We've played them on the show before when they were Eskimo Cowboy, but then they took on board the the wording of their band name and people explained why that was an offensive term to, to people over in Canada and they they took the decision to change their name. Formed in 2010, changed their name just this year. They're now Electric Cowboys. So we've got two songs from them coming up and we've got a wavelength as well that's got a German theme. All of that is to come. We're going to kick things off by talking white caps 
And it was another good road point, Zach, in Nashville on Saturday night. The Whitecaps never say die spirit came to the fore again. They fought to the end. And they deserve to take something from this game after another horrendously slow start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, at least this time you felt like, okay, maybe there's some things that are understandable why they had a slow start. You know, the whole, like, was it a quote-unquote hangover from from coming off the high of the, you know, the Voyager's Cup victory? I think it was just Sarita that had that. Oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they they looked really awful in the first half, especially the, the very first, the very few first few minutes of that first half. Yeah. I mean, the the early pressure, Nashville, they, they came out hungry in this one. They had a couple of looks at goal. They, they forced four corners in the first four minutes. It was absolutely incredible. Then Mukhtar had a free kick that just went over 13 minutes in. What a player. Again, if we're talking about Germans for our German-themed yep. show, very apt, really. Hanny Mukhtar is one of those guys you'd love to have him in your team. Maybe he doesn't get on the score sheet all that often, but he is so instrumental. He pulls the strings for a very good Nashville side. Um, he was part of that opening goal. Pouncing on a horrible giveaway by Brian White. Maybe a, a reason why some forwards shouldn't be going back trying to be in the defensive third of the pitch. It was just a misplay by White. He just thought that there was going to be a run made. The run wasn't made. Mukhtar picked it up, sent in a great cross. And the cap killer, there's a few of them in the league, Teal Bunbury, his seventh goal against yeah. the Whitecaps. From the very first season that the Whitecaps came into MLS in 2011, Bunbury has been scoring against the Whitecaps. I remember all the traitor chants that were directed his way by the Whitecaps fans back in 2011. He rises to the occasion. He certainly rose to the occasion here, jumping between two Whitecaps defenders to head home. And Nashville were in the lead 17 minutes in. Yeah, and deservedly so. You're right. Mukhtar has, oozes with quality. And the ball in was, was amazing. And then it was uh, a very competent uh, header. From Teal. <laughs> it, it, it was. I mean, he took it well. Cropper angry again at that defence. And Vanny angry with it, the whole first half performance and why they came out slow. And it's just it's something they just can't put their finger on. But to be fair, on the road, they've been coming out really strong. Yeah. In recent outings. It, it was like a home first half, for sure. Yeah. It, I think, uh, but, but as the game went on, though, I, I think it was... And I, I, I was messaging you during the game about this. It was like it was like so many of their home games, where you, they start off not great, um, and the other team takes the lead in the first half because they only have that one one goal in the first half in league play at, at BC Place, and and yet the other team doesn't like put more nails in their coffin. Yep. And so the whole the, that that whole first half, I kept on just having that feeling. I texted you. I said, "This is like this is one of those games where if Nashville, if Nashville isn't going to take their opportunities, they are going to leave the door open for Vancouver to storm back and either get a point or or take all three. And I, I, I they did. The thing is, though, that is kind of Nashville's mo because Gary Smith has built them on a solid defensive footing. And they are a very impressive defensive team and they can shut games out. 
So they go up early and it's like, okay, we can see this out. But they need, if they really want to be playoff contenders, and especially now that they've moved to the West, which it's a much more difficult proposition for them, they've got to have a better killer instinct. They have to not just rely on the defence to to keep the opposition out. They've got to go and get those goals. And they've certainly got the offensive talent there to do it. Oh, yeah, they do, for sure. Uh, They have some quality attacking pieces. I think Teal's added a nice uh, a nice option for them. CJ Sapong started too, right? Yeah, yeah and like he's, he's a, a good player. He's one of those MLS vets. Solid, that, solid MLS player. Yeah. yeah, you add him to your team, and you're like, oh, that's not bad, not yeah. a bad pickup there. I mean, the, the Whitecaps did slowly start to get back in the game, and they the only real thing of note to talk about for the rest of the first half was Brian White had a shot in the 27th minute from the edge of the box that forced a save out of Willis. And that was really it. And as you say, it got to the half. The Whitecaps were just trailing by one. And you thought, ah, they they could certainly do this. But they're going to have to be a much better team in the second half. And they got off to a good start. And Nashville then found their their feet again. Sapong had a a header that kind of flashed wide in the 58th minute that I think he really should have got on goal. That's one of those chances that you look back on as you've got to get that on, on target. But it allowed the Whitecaps to, to slowly get back into the game. And then they started pushing and you're thinking, I, I don't know if they are going to do it this time because they didn't quite have that aggressiveness that and the goal threat that we have seen in some of their previous outings. But then, Javain Brown gets his first ever MLS goal, mm-hmm. knees it in. I mean, yeah. it doesn't matter how they go in, you'll take it off anything. The thing was, I think, if he had missed it, I think it was Ricketts that was behind him that was going to put that away anyway. But it's, it's for me, poor defending by Nashville because they went up, I can't remember who it was, someone went up to head the ball and just completely missed the header. Yeah, yeah. But we've got to talk about goals delivery again. Another Fantastic cross into the box by Gold and Javain Brown, Johnny on the spot or Javain on the spot, right place at the right time, making me crazy with that goal. 1 1. Point yeah, secured. Scored, scored of his own accord off the thigh. He did. Um, and it was, you felt good for him because he was coming off a subpar performance in the game against Chicago, which saw, which maybe, may, maybe at least in part saw him not, not start in the Voyagers Cup final. Um, so it was a good, like it was a bounce back performance for him and uh, a really, uh, like a moment he'll never forget, you know? Yeah, I, I really like Javain Brown, what he offers this team. He's one of those players, and Ryan Raposo is another, that if they can just find some consistency in their game, it's just going to move them on to a different level. And that's why they're not starters week in, week out. Out right now, aside from the fact, of course, that Vanny doesn't have 11 stars. I'm just looking at him now. What was the sub that happened right before that, a few minutes before that? That I can't remember. You're asking me to remember two days ago. No, I barely remember yesterday. No, no, I'll, no, sorry. No, I'm uh, he scored in the 87th. There was a sub that came right before that. It was like, wow. Oh, when Kyle came on, yeah, Kyle came on for Ranko, Ranko, Ranko. Was there one other one? No, it was just the, just the two of them. Just that swap. Yeah, I thought that was uh, That's again, an interesting one. It was an interesting interesting sub because it changed, well, in theory at least, changed the formation and also showed that I think you know, Vanny was really going for it, right? You know? Yeah, 
And I mean, he obviously felt Nashville's not really going to be pushing for this. They're happy just to take yeah. this one now, and he he was right. Yeah. So kudos to I think kudos to Vanny for for that. That point that they came away with made it three straight draws on the road in tough places to go as well: Cincinnati, Portland, and in Nashville, and unbeaten in four. Because before that, they got a, a win down in Dallas. They've certainly turned their their road form around. We'll talk about their home form shortly. But, I mean, it's it's what they need to do. And they're still in touch off that playoff line. And there's 11 games to go now. And they need to, they need to make a deep push. And they have to basically win out at home and continue to take these points on the road. Anyone really stand out for you in this game, Zach? Because for me... There, there wasn't a lot of great performances, and maybe part of that is shaded by that first half performance. I thought Kubis was was great again, and Gold yeah. is getting back to the Ryan Gold that that Gold. We, was we Gold for was Gold's inclusion in the team of the week reflective of the cup game as well? Is that it? Shouldn't be. It should just be MLS. Okay. I don't well, know. That, I was wondering. I, was I don't wondering. know that he merits team of the week for. for Wasn't he in the starting? He was in the starting lineup for the team of the week. So it must include the cup. Mm. Well, maybe it did, but if it includes the cup, then yeah, fair fair play to that. Uh, performances that stand out, uh, it's hard not to be discouraged, frustrated, uh, scratching your head over the continued subpar performances of Pedro Vite. Yeah, just when you think he's turned the corner, he's gone backward a, a little bit again. Yeah. I mean, we should also talk about as well that this was a... A trip that saw the Whitecaps unable to take Lucas Cavallini due to an injury, so that was a right. that was a big negative. But on on the plus side, Russell Tybert couldn't make the trip either. <laughs> I joke, I joke. I saw some people saying, "Hey, do do are we missing him today? Like, is that he does add a little bit of grit in the middle?" And because Bal- Baldi wasn't horrible, but he also wasn't spectacular. No, and so yeah, he got sub to he. Got, he oh, Usu took his spot, right? And, yeah, but he was really on a booking and I wasn't right. 100% sure he was going to see the game out if he stayed on to the, the 90th minute, I, I do have to say. But it was, it was a, a very important point for the Whitecaps. They remain 10th in the Western Conference on 27 points from their 23 games. Now that is four points back of the playoff line now. Portland fell that seventh spot on 31. LA Galaxy after their good start, have dropped like a stone out of the playoff again. It's a it's a repeat of last season. And I, I don't know what it is that Greg Vanny starts the season strong with the Galaxy and then they, they're they struggling. And you've got to say, if they don't make the playoffs again this year, you've got to question where Vanny's going to be there next year. I don't think he will be. Y- and, yeah. I, I, still, I still think they have... I said at the beginning of the year, and obviously maybe I'm not as confident now, but I still think he's going to be able to get them across the line somehow. Yeah, see, I didn't fancy them uh, this season at all, just with the the few additions they made. I didn't think they were strong. Then underneath the Galaxy and just above Vancouver are Seattle, 29 points from their 22 games. Galaxy also have 22, so they've got a game in hand on the Whitecaps. So you look at that table, and you're like, well, the Whitecaps, they're four points back. The two point, the two teams immediately above them have a game in hand. And it's hard not to see Seattle in the top seven. 
And yeah. I said it was hard to not see Portland in the top seven as well. And then you're looking again at teams that need to drop, and one of them is Nashville. So that point is big. Three points would have been massive, but they've got a chance now to get three points against Nashville at the end of the month when Nashville come to BC Place. Yeah. That is a must-win game, as is this Friday's game against Houston, who are below Whitecaps in the standings in 11th and 25. I would go as far to say... If the Whitecaps don't win against Houston on Friday, I'm going to call that I don't think they'll make it into the playoffs. That sounds reasonable, but there's still a chance. Yeah, I mean, it's better than the back in the days when you used to like call it in April, right? Hey, this team's not good enough. They're not going to play. Yeah, our end of season shows were end of April, start <laughs> okay. of May. Yeah. Just killing time after that till the end of the season came. At least Vanny keeps it interesting for us. But th- this game in Houston, it, it looms large on the back of two defeats at home. And I can't get it out of the back of my head that how costly those defeats to Chicago and Minnesota could be in the in the long run. Even if they'd taken a point from those two games, it's like the table looks a, a lot better just now. But you're looking on Vancouver to... Hope that Nashville drop out. Hope that RSL drop out. And they've started a little bit of a slump. Dallas as well are a bit of an up-and-down team. Minnesota could be a bit of an up-and-down team. LAFC in 48 and Austin at 44. Just book them in the playoffs now. It's basically secured for them. It's going to be a good battle. The Whitecaps do... I mean, you look at the fact that the Whitecaps are on 27 and they're eight points back from Minnesota with 11 games to go. You have to feel they've got to win all their home games, get a couple of wins on the road. You're looking, I think, 48 to 50 points is what they're going to need to to get them over the line. So even if you say 48, they're needing 21 points, so they need to get seven wins from the last 11 games. Or five or six wins and a lot of draws. Yeah, that's asking a lot. But we said that last year, and then look at the run they went on as Vanny... We talked about in the midweek show, if they play like they've been playing against TFC and some of these other games, they should have the beaten. Yeah, and and that's why you're right. If they do lose to Houston, it'll it'll feel, you know, if they need 7 out of 10 or whatever, that'll feel impossible. However, because of what happened last year, you literally, you can't count them out. You you won't be able to count them out until I think they're out. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, uh, Vanny, I think has the potential now to pull off what he did last year. I think he said it an episode or two ago, or or maybe maybe it was just the last one after they won the Voyager's Cup. It's like, now they have one thing to focus on again. And everything, they're all like, there there probably are more, there's more things that Vanny is dealing with at this moment than he was when he came in last year. Because last year he was interim and it was like, People are like, "Hey, let's talk about my contract." Whatever. He'd be like, "That's mm-hmm. not, that's not a conversation I'm involved with right now. We're, we're I'm, I'm focusing on getting us into the playoffs, right?" So he'll have uh, he'll have more to deal with. But in terms of on the playing side, there is literally everyone is pulling for that one goal. And I think this within this group, I think there is a sense of wanting the best, even if it means, hey, I don't start every game or, hey, I subbed off early. I'm subbed off earlier than normal or whatever. Like, I think there is a good collective spirit amongst them. This is a a team. Yeah. And they've got a team mentality. There doesn't seem any egos that I've seen uh, around. 
it feels it feels like a family. And for everything that that's happened with the White Caps in, in recent years, off the pitch and stuff like that, they've made huge inroads in this. And I, I don't know whether Axel takes a lot of the credit for this or if it's a, just a whole team effort. But you've had first team players coming out like today in the League One BC final. A couple of first team players, Vanny, Axel, some of the staff as well, there to cheer on the the girls' elite team in the championship game. And they they did some stuff in the build up to this as well to to cheer them on. You had the boys team that had come to see them as well, and some of the players have come to see the the regular season League One BC games as well. They've been out at WFC two. It's great to see, and yeah. it does feel like it, it's a proper club, and it's something that we've wanted for so long in Vancouver, and we've spoken a lot about how. Football is about being a club. It's not about being a franchise. And it's what you do to make your You're team a club. And I think the Whitecaps have made big inroads in that this this season, last season. You're going to have to mark this one explicit. You just use the F word. I know. I was marking it explicit anyway for some of the songs that's coming oh. up. So <laughs> we can drop the F-bombs as much as we want. And we talked in the last show as well that possible new addition coming to the midfield and shop the, the Austrian midfielder also being linked with a possible return right. to the Whitecaps, or with Toronto FC. Left-footed Left-footed, left-back, <laughs> left-wing-back. Sam Adekukbe, that just came out today that he's been linked with leaving Turkey and coming back to Canada to play for TFC or to, to play for the Whitecaps. I'd but, be stunned, to be honest, if the Whitecaps landed him back here. Yeah, but okay, for either Toronto or Vancouver, does he not have to go through like the allocation order or something because he's a returning national team player and stuff? Probably. That said, things can happen. Oh, yeah, obviously you can trade up. In that. Yes. And also, wouldn't they have to pay a transfer for him because he's under contract until next year, right? Until Well, the, the stuff that was coming out today was that it looks like he's going to leave, so I'm not sure if the Turkish side are just wanting to... Get him off the books? Get him off you the just books, some, yeah. uh, uh, Parting of mutual, parting my mutual consent, or mu- parting ways. I mean, and you don't know how happy he is there. I mean, you assume he's happy, but yeah, it, it, uh, like like I was saying to you before we we started recording, I I can't, I don't understand why, unless Sam is trying to come into a, a Canadian men's national team kind of incubator setup in Toronto, or they're all just trying to play together a little before the World Cup, a whole bunch of them. Like I don't, I don't understand what the allure of MLS would be. I don't know. I mean, he's twenty-seven now. He made thirty-four appearances last season with Hatta Spore. Yeah. Um, I I thought he was very happy there. He always looked very happy there. Florida. But I thought he loved his time at Valranga. I, well, I, he's, he's had interest from other Turkish teams as well. It should be noted. So if he oh, if he I'm is sure. enjoying his time in Turkey, because maybe he I just mean, wants to come home. He could be a bit homesick for all we know. But. I can't see that. He, I mean, here's, I mean, he's going into a World Cup where you, I mean, you and I, I think, would both say he's a shoo-in to be in the squad. Oh, I, yeah, he, I have him as a starter. He's Canada's, yeah, he's Canada's. If Alfonso Davies, for some reason, is playing left back, he's Canada's second choice of left back. If Alfonso's, Alfonso's Davies playing Florida up the field, which John Herdman has shown he prefers to do, he's Canada's first choice left back. Yeah. Wow, so why would you come? Why would you go to MLS? Like. Like surely you're gonna have suitors, you know. I mean, it's not it's not like it's not like Richie Larea, 
right? Where he's, mm. I'm coming to MLS because I got to play. I need to play. You know, I'm not playing like I need to, all that kind of stuff. No, the, the dude's going to play in Turkey, right? What did you say? 27 of their 30 some odd matches last year he played? Like he's going to get, he's going to get playing time uh, unless something else has, has happened or whatever that I'm aware of in the, in the preseason. Yeah, um, I don't know. But it's, like, it's one that just came out today. So, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. We won't delve into it too much because I, I take it with a bit of a pinch of salt. So, I don't want to spend too much time on it just now. But can you imagine, though, last thing we'll say in this, if the Whitecaps in this transfer window added Schopf, Barber, and Adekugbe, wow. That would be well. That That is one hell of a team that Vanny Sartini's got to do this late push in the, these 11 games or well by the time they come who knows when that will be so let's move on now from the the Whitecaps and that game in Nashville we're gonna sit down for a chat with one of their more recent uh, additions these guys might be coming the last guy that has walked through the door though is German wingback Julian Gressel got a chance to sit down with Julian this week just to chat about his Time in MLS and in North America and coming to the Whitecaps. And we're going to be back with him after this. Hi, I'm Jovian Braun and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, it's our new Artist of the Month here at AFTN for the month of August. And we're keeping the German theme going for the whole month. Because as I talked about in part one, it's a group called Electric Callboy. That is a single taken from their sixth studio album, 2021's Techno. That's T-E-K-K-N-O. They're an electronicore metalcore band formed in 2010 from the Ruhr area of Germany. Electric Callboy in their 2021 single, We Got The Moves. Played that on the show before, but played it again because it's such a good song and they're going to be our Artist of the Month for this month. We've got another one from Electric Callboy kicking it off, part three. And for the rest of the show, this is going to play Zach. We're going a little bit German. Whee! 
get on your lederhosen, dig out the bratwursts, open a Bex, get some of that funny tasting gingerbread stuff that you get at Christmas time as well. Because we're, we're going to be parts two and part three. We're, we're going all in, all German for, for this. And we're kicking things off with a chat with the latest white cap, wing back Julian Gressel. He's been a, a great addition to the white caps. Seen him in a couple of games so far. Put away a penalty in that penalty shootout win against TFC to lift the Canadian Championship on Tuesday evening. And he looks like he's going to be a, a great addition to the team. So I got a chance to sit down with Julian just to chat about his move to MLS in general, his football and background over in Germany, and what it was like to have the rug pulled from under his feet in the transfer to the Whitecaps, and a lot more. So go stick the kettle on, grab your biscuit of choice, doesn't have to be a German spiced one, chocolate digestive will do, and sit back and enjoy our chat with Julian Gressel. First of all, Julian, thank you so much for for joining us today. And I know it's been a busy week and a half, but you've only been in Vancouver a matter of days and you've already won a a cup final, you've got a winner's medal and you've lifted some silverware. It's kind of the perfect start for you. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, once I got here, I I found out that we were in the final and uh, that it was obviously a big thing for the club to try and win and uh yeah what a what a couple of weeks it's been but uh, certainly nice to get off a start like that you know it makes everything easier for me because everybody's in a good mood you know we guys are friendly we have some time off the field even to celebrate certain things so um makes my transition a lot easier going into the locker room and, and to the club in general and there's not many players that have won both a US Open Cup and a, a Canadian Cup winner's medal as well. So that kind of puts you in a, a special club. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's it's exciting, honestly. Like, it's cool. When I when I kind of settled a little bit after the game, I, like, really thought about it. And I was like, okay, now, you know, we got an MLS Cup, we got a Canadian Cup and an Open Cup. Like, that's, that's pretty good trophies right there. So... Um, yeah, i got to hopefully add to that collection at some point, but uh, it's certainly nice to, to be in that special club, like you said. So just going back to, to Tuesday night for a second, it, it was an amazing atmosphere at BC Place. It's been one of the, the best atmospheres I think I've seen at BC Place for a number of years now as well, with the crowd out in numbers and the white out and the singing. When it went to the penalties, and you're obviously new to the club and you're you're stepping up to to take that third kick. What was going through your mind? You looked a little bit nervous when the, the camera focused in on you. <laughs> um, honestly, I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. You know, it is a, it's a moment, like you said, that, um, you know, there's a lot on the line. I knew how, how much it meant to the fans, to the club, uh, and to the players that have worked so hard all year to get to the final. You know, I wasn't a part of that. And then, um, for me to, yeah, Vanny asked me before the penalties if, if I was good to take one. I said, yeah, no problem. And, um, yeah, but then, you know, as you kind of stand there, you wait. It's, you kind of feel it a little bit, the nerves, for sure. But, um, again, I just try to focus on a clean strike and um, try to make him move a little bit with the hesitation. He didn't move, but then just focus on a on a good strike and, and a clean shot. And, yeah, he got a hand on it, and for a second, my heart kind of dropped. But, 
um, you know, the, the net then rattled and then, then I knew, okay, it was in. And, um, but yeah, I wasn't, well, I would be lying if I said I wasn't nervous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think our hearts kind of dropped a bit as well when, when Bono got his hand on that and we're like, oh, and then it, it went in. So, I mean, it was all good in the end. And now that now that the club's won that, they're in the Champions League next year. You've obviously tasted that before with Atlanta. What are those kind of occasions like for you as a player? Because coming from Europe, where like European football is such a a big thing, it's a competition here that's been a little bit slow, maybe to 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 catch capture the imagination of the North American public. I love it. As a player, what's it like for you to face that different kind of opposition? I, I think it's fun and I think it's exciting. Like you said, I've played in it before, um, and it, it's such a different, you know, different competition than what we're used to, obviously here with MLS and the Canadian Cup or the Open Cup. Um, so it's certainly, um, certainly exciting to play in, in the Champions League and, and to be part of that. I think it's a, um, it's a pride thing as well, right? You represent Canada, you represent the U.S. Like it's. Uh, you represent MLS, like you play against some good teams um, from uh, all over CONCACAF region, and, and it's, uh, um, again, it's exciting for the club, it's exciting for the fans to have really meaningful games very early on in the season, um, so all those things uh, kind of kind of play into that, where um, when I played in it, it was a ton of fun, and ever since, you know, I always said that it's, it's, I want to get back, and I want to play in it again, and, and now, you know, I get the chance to to do it and uh, yeah, be part of part of the, the Whitecaps next year and, and kind of hopefully have a good good CCL run there. Yeah, I'm I'm already looking forward to it. I love those nights. I, I love those occasions. And as we mentioned, it's been a, a whirlwind kind of week and a half, all, almost two weeks now for you. Have you finally really been able to to process everything, or is it still kind of everything just kind of whirling around for you in your head? Um, it's, it's still a lot because there's still a lot of things, like little things I got to take care of on, on just the personal side and, and stuff. Where I feel like I never really have any any down and like enjoy it, and then you know kind of kind of settle in a bit. But um, once my family's here, which will be next week, and you know we kind of settle into more of a routine, and um, then you know games will obviously start coming more and more as well. And we're heading towards the end of the season and stuff, so. Once that happens, I think I'll be more more settled in, and I can kind of yeah take a breath and and really um, yeah you know experience it a bit more. I want to say you know and kind of reflect on that of kind of what happened. But again, I'm I'm, I'm excited and I'm kind of taking it all by stride here, and, and I'm um, yeah certainly been been busy over the past two weeks. But mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, the club has helped me a ton, so. Um, it's really made it made it quite easy for me too, but just little things here and there that kind of um, coming up. Yeah, and it's, it's there's so many differences here as well in Canada than in the US, and I don't think you really fully appreciate it until you you're here in the country as well. Um, I listened to your your podcast that you you did with Fabian after the the trade happened, and it was a very honest and raw and open podcast for you just about how things go down in MLS. We, we've had players before that's had kind of the, the rug pulled out from under them. Breck Shave, when he came here, he didn't get a chance to tell his wife before it was all out everywhere. And we've had players that's left here that have not expected to move on. 
It's is it something that do the players talk about that a lot, and do you talk to the union about that? Like this isn't ideal. This needs to change. It's not just us. It's our whole families that this affects. Yeah, of course. I mean, we joke amongst the players um, more often than not, just to like, oh, have you been traded? up? Oh, agents calling in the locker room or something. <laughs> like, oh, there you go. It's it's more of that that joking around, but then uh, when it actually happens, obviously it's it's very real, right? Like I just went through it, and um, and you know those emotions are, are very real, and, and they're difficult to deal with at the time because you know your your ground gets ripped away from under you, basically, and. and your life really quick and then make all these different plans and um, yeah and then you know kind of just move to a new city within a matter of days so um, but again yeah we speak to the union about it We're, you know those conversations are obviously ongoing that it's not ideal I think it happens in all of the sports in, in, in North America yeah. um, let's talk about the NBA the NFL um, all those types of sports the NHL right now I think right is all season so they trade a lot too so um yeah, it happens all over the place, but again, it's just not the norm in the in the U.S. Uh, in, in in the soccer world, I gotta say, you know. Yeah. So um, we gotta see if maybe you know once negotiations come around again for the CBA, maybe that's a point of emphasis for the union. Maybe not. Um, you know, those conversations are ongoing, and they know how much it it is tough, and, and how much it is on us and our families, and and all that stuff. So um, they certainly they certainly get to hear it from us for sure. Yeah, I just can't imagine what that's like. I know how my wife would react if all of a sudden I said, okay, we're, we're moving to the US and you have to get a new job and find out all this stuff. I mean, it's not ideal. The, the trade, when you were traded from Atlanta to DC, how did that go down? Like, did you get a heads up on that? Did, did people tell you that you were maybe likely to move on or was that a surprise as well? No, I think that, that was a bit more, I was able just to see it coming. Um, because we had worked with the club more. I think that was a different situation where I was asking for a new contract and then that was never going to happen, so I basically asked for a trade. Right. Um, so I saw it coming um, a bit more, and I even knew what type of teams they were interested, you know, and, and I kind of, um, at the end, it came down to two teams. It was D.C. and I think the Red Bulls. Um, so I knew that, okay, we could, we could go either there or there. And, um, you know, then it, it makes the things... It, it, a little bit easier than when it actually happens that you okay you know you're leaving you know you have to um, you know figure certain things out of, of the move and all that stuff so um, it makes things a bit easier in that sense where you're just not like shocked um, but this is certainly this is certainly a, a shock more so than than the other one from Atlanta. Yeah, I, listening to your your podcast this week, I haven't finished it yet. I, I just started it a, a little bit before I, I gave you a call just now. So you mentioned that you're out of the hotel now. You've you've got an apartment for a month, and your your wife, as you said, there's and family are, are coming next week. Have you had a chance to to see much of the city so far, or has it been basically just focused on training and getting all the kind of personal stuff sorted out, banking and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's a, a little bit of both. I mean, we had some time to walk around and, you know, it's really been just downtown. I mean, we've been to, to kind of the beaches a little bit and, um, you know, that area. But it's really, like, enjoying it is different, right? When you go and you spend a whole afternoon yeah. there, it's just like, like now I've been there, I've seen it, and I kind of know where to take my wife where it's a little bit nicer and what to show her to, to make her fall in love with Vancouver. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be... 
Uh, it'll be better when, obviously, we can have the whole family experience and kind of know um, where to go. But it's been it's been good to kind of get to know the city a little bit by myself as well, like I said, because now I can't go and, and, and know where to take my wife and know where I can take my, my daughter and all those types of things a little bit already. So um, it's it's been okay. It hasn't been too much, but just that I want to say I'm like a tourist right now still, you know, and now yeah. i got to, like, settle in and, and, and really get to get to know the city a bit more. And you've come at a good time. I'm sure everyone has told you that you've come at a good time and to expect the the rainy season that seems to last forever. But um, it's it's a beautiful city and I know the club do a really good job in in making all the players feel at home. And you, you've got a dog as well. What kind of dog do you have? Yeah, so we have a mini Labradoodle. He's about 27 to 30 pounds. Oh. He's five and a half now, so he's been he's been with us ever since he's a puppy. So I was, we got him in Atlanta, and uh, yeah, this will be his first city uh, in Canada, I think. So come to Canada for the first time. We're bringing him right away next week as well. So um, he'll, I'm sure he'll get to enjoy all the dog parks and the hikes and and all that stuff. He loves that, so that'll be fun for him. Yeah, there's so many good dog places here as well. I, I brought when I moved from Scotland, I brought my dog with me. I'd had him from six weeks old and. He he settled right in a, and loved it. It's, it's a really good city for all those things. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> now, you, you, moving over to to MLS, uh, you, you'd been playing in the the lower leagues of Germany, and then you you came over to college with Providence in twenty thirteen. What was behind that move? Had you always wanted to to come over to the US, or did you just feel that you maybe weren't gonna to get a, a good look over in Germany? You just wanted to try something new? Um, a little bit of both. I mean, the main reason I, I think was just for me to, to be able to get my degree at the same time as, as trying to keep my dream of, a, you know, being a professional alive. Yeah. Um, I think it's really about the degree where in Germany I got, you know, told at 15 that I wasn't good enough and that kind of stuck with me, you know, and that kind of... Um, really hit me hard, and so I knew that, okay, if that were to happen again, and I were to try and play third division, second division, you know, I'm not going to make that much money, you know, or enough money to, to last me a lifetime, so um, I just wanted to prepare for what's after, if that weren't weren't to happen. Um, thankfully, it did happen this way, and, and you know, I, I then decided to go to school, just to Providence College here in the U.S., just because it was the easiest way um, to combine the two to play, you know, decent level soccer, you know, knowing that if I play three good years, four good years, I can, I can go to school, I can go be a pro. Um, and at the same time, uh, go to school, finish my degree and then be ready for if I had to get a job, you know, simple as that. Yeah, that's always the, the best thing. That's what I do love about that North American college system. It's something in, in Scotland think players are getting better at knowing that they do need an education and they do need something for after the football career because it it can be such a a short career really at times was the plan always then if you made it to stay in the US did you ever or do you think you ever will go back and and play professionally over in Germany or over in Europe Um, I mean this is you know this is my third club now here in the US I'm turning 29 later this year and um you know i kind of know that if there's european teams out there that they aren't looking for guys in their early 30s maybe um you know to to get from mls i think they're more looking at that you know the 15 to 20 year olds so 
Um, I think it, the time has probably passed now with, with me coming here to Vancouver especially and, and, you know, obviously, you know, potentially staying here for longer. Um, so that, you know, ship has probably sailed a little bit, but never say never, I guess. I never thought I was going to be in Vancouver Two weeks ago, so yeah, that's true. Um, you never know what happens. <laughs> yeah, like two weeks ago, you're just enjoying life at DC. You're not even thinking of Canada, and now you're a, a cup winner. And that's right. yeah, it's it's crazy, really, how how things move like that. Did you, have you found it over the years? There's not been a lot of German players really that's come over to MLS. Have you found players have reached out to you just to ask what the life's like, what what it is like over here? Yeah, some here and there. Yeah, some reach out that have some interest from clubs. Some reach out that have more advanced interest that would want to get to know the league really a bit more. Um, so it's just been, yeah, I've been on and off to be honest with you. But yeah, I mean the interest is there. I, I feel like every time I speak to somebody when I'm back there, they're like, oh yeah, we would. I would love to come to the US at some point as well and uh, be part of that league. And it's growing. It's getting so much better and um, all that stuff. So it's uh, it's certainly a hot topic amongst. You know, pros in, in Europe, especially guys that, you know, maybe play in the second Bundesliga and know that, okay, you know, my time here is, is, is maybe coming to an end and I got to maybe find some some more experiences and, and all that stuff. So it's certainly certainly still that exciting and, and, and yeah, just that experience that excites them about, about coming to MLS. Yeah, and of course, one of the other German players that's here is your podcast co-host, Fabian Herbers, and... I asked Fabian this after the the game at the weekend, but what made you want to get involved in podcasting? I know there's been a few players that, that do do podcasts and it's great to hear straight from the, the players themselves how life is, but what interested you in doing that and, and why do it with Fabian? Um, well, I just knew Fabian was, was a good... Uh, he was big into podcast, listening to podcasts, so I knew kind of... He- that he was was he knows the kind of landscape of it. He knows what it takes to listen to a ton of them. So um, it was just easy for me to kind of approach him with that um, idea that I had. And, and for me, it was really um, yeah. I don't know. I just wanted to try it. <laughs> you know, as weird as that sounds, but I saw you know in the NBA and the NFL, all these guys they have their own podcasts, they have their own production companies, like those types of things. And I just felt like something in MLS was missing. Um, you know, we want to be engaged more with the fans. We want to grow our fan base, you know, growing the league. So, so why not be more accessible as as players um, by having a weekly podcast where we talk about MLS, where we talk about off the field life, and you know, about a trade, about you know, a transfer, about a coach getting fired, those types of things. You know, maybe where the the regular soccer fan in, in the U.S. doesn't get exposed to. Um, so that's kind of you know why we I think we started it and why we're still doing it because. You know, ever since we started, it's been fun, also. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's kind of why we why we started all and got into it. Yeah, I mean, we've we've been doing ours since 2013. We're the longest running soccer podcast in Canada now, and. Wow. It's it's a lot of fun. Thank you. I mean, you clearly enjoy the episodes I've listened to. Like you both really enjoy doing it, and you cover so much varied stuff. And I want to go back now and listen to some of the older ones as well. Now, now that you're here, I, I asked Fabian this, but have you ever got into any trouble for anything that you've said on on your podcast? He mentioned that he he did get a little bit when he was talking about um, Higuain and not being a team player. But have you had anything? That's kind of come back to you? Um, 
not really, no. Not not too um, too specific where somebody's like, why did you say that or what happened? No, I mean it's you know, but we don't. I don't think we shy away from from like more controversial topics either. I think yeah. we talk a lot about our personal values and kind of what we see in certain situations, how we feel, um, and we're you know that's kind of what we wanted to say, what we wanted to do, and um, by being honest, by being open, and by just being accessible. You know, I think. Um, we're we're a bit vulnerable that way, but um, again, I think it kind of resonates with the fan base a bit more, and, and we can uh, yeah just hope uh, hope to kind of grow grow this game and grow the sport, you know, even more. So yeah, you talked about personal values, and you've done a lot of charity work, and you, you spoke about that at your your press conference as well, and you spoke about that in your your podcast a lot. Why has that been important for you to give back to the community so much? Because the, the stuff you've done, you've been heavily involved. We've had other players at, at the club that's like that as well. And it, it's just, it's wonderful to see. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, it's just who, who I am as a person, I think, um, and who, who my wife is. You know, she pushes me a lot in that way as well of, of not getting too complacent, not being, you know, humble enough to do the charity work and, and, and all that stuff, you know, where um, I am, you know, only as good as kind of, uh, kind of, I'm trying to help the next person, you know, that's kind of how I look at it. It's been um, a lot of fun doing a lot of these things in, in different communities in different cities uh, in the U.S. and now, you know, here in Canada, hopefully. And uh, yeah, I'm just trying to help one person at a time get a better life, you know, trying to use my platform that I've been given, you know, through MLS, through the Vancouver Whitecaps, through DC United, through Atlanta United, um, try and try and help better people's lives that that aren't as lucky as I am. And um, I'm just trying to pay that forward as best as I can. Um, and uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to to that doing doing that here in Vancouver. It's it's uh, it's an honor to kind of work with people um, you know that needed needed more so than me and. Um, to make them feel good and put a smile on their faces, or, or put food on their plates, like those those little things, you know, that that'll that'll change their lives in a little way. You know, those um, certainly certainly help me, um, you know, and drive me also on the field. So um, because of you know, I'm not trying to take it for granted of what I've been given. I'm really trying to make the most of my on-field um, performances, but also then give back and then turn around and and then help those people out. So yeah, that's kind of. That's kind of it. That's absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, Julian. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm delighted to to have you here in Vancouver. It's been fun watching you in the league the last couple of years. As Axel said, you're one of the best wing-backs in the league and it's what we've needed here in Vancouver for a long time. So I'm really glad that you're here and hope you settle in quickly. Hope your wife and family settle in quick and we'll we'll see you soon. Perfect. I appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Great stuff there from Julian Gressel. I, I don't know if we should be friendly, though, with him, Zach. He is now our podcast rival in Vancouver. I was going to ask you about the, <laughs> the Z... The Z, Z Soccer Podcast. The Z Soccer Podcast will probably uh, be adding a significant number of local uh, local listeners. Oh, they have as well. And they, they've already... They, they do a charity... Like, Julian Gressel does a lot of charity work, and he has since he's he's 
come into the league. It's something we, we talked about there in the interview. He feels it's very important for him to give back to the community. This year, the, the podcast, the soccer podcast, are linked up with Michael Azira and the Azira Michael Foundation, and they donate money to that, and they've already spoken to the supporters groups here. They got in touch with Julian and said, we want to back the cause, we want to give money to that as well. So that's made him feel right at home right away, and... I've listened to the last couple of episodes of the Z Soccer podcast. We'll come to that a little bit more in the next part because I sit down for a chat with his co-host on the show. But we touched on it when the, the signing was made, Zach. This is a great addition to the Whitecaps, a proper wing-back. And we've already seen uh, in the short sample size what he can mean to this team. We also find out as well from our, our chat there that he was taken off at halftime in his debut because that was the plan, because he had just arrived and he was still acclimatising. They didn't want him to go more than 45 minutes in that game against Chicago. Yeah, he got pulled off at halftime. He did. He, he did, enjoyed yeah. it. It's better than a halftime orange, let's be honest. But, I mean, he has been a great addition to, to the Whitecaps so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. He is one of the best players, as Axel said, in that position throughout MLS. You look at the 58 assists, that's what you want from a player in that position. Yeah, uh, he has uh, so many so many great attributes. He has like the, it looks like he has an engine, right? Like he's going to run all day up and down that flank. And Well, you know what they say about the Germans? They always make the trains run on time. Right. Yeah. And he, yeah, he looks primed to contribute going forward and at the back. And you're right. It's the, the type and the quality of player that uh, people like yourself and others have been calling out for a long time for oh, yes. to, to get from within the league. And uh, obviously, it's, it's you know it's early days, but he's made um, he's made some significant contributions already. Yep. So a lot of good stuff there from Julian. Find out a lot about him. Of course, there is one burning question we haven't found out yet. Does Julian Gressel fancy a chocolate digestive? digestive. So if you're sitting at home and you decide to have a, a hot beverage, what is your hot beverage of choice? A tea, a coffee, something else? It's definitely green tea, yeah. Ah, green tea. And yeah. do, do you have a sweet tooth? Do you do you have like a biscuit or a, a cookie or a cake or something with that? Uh, my wife bakes usually really well. Oh. Um, really good baker. Um, so whenever she makes some, some vegan baking goods, uh, like some banana bread or... Um, I, yeah, that's kind of what I would eat. Probably her banana bread that she makes or her, her cookies or something like that. Oh, fantastic. And if, if you were to have a cookie with your green tea, are, are you a dunker? No, I'm not. I'm not a dunker, no. Ah. <laughs> Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Julian Gressel there, not fancying a chocolate digestive, but some of his his wife's cake, which I've got to say sounds delicious. It is one of my favourite kind of cakes. And let's hope that if she listens to this show, that she maybe wants to make make some for us here at the AFT and Soccer Show, welcoming our fellow podcasters, I, I think. But that is it for this part. That's it for our Julian Gressel chat. But we're going to chat next to this podcast co-host, 
Fabian Herbers plays for Chicago Fire, caught up with him after last weekend's game. We'll be back with him and some more fun stuff with a German theme after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is another song from our Artist of the Month for August here at AFTN. From Germany, Electric Cowboy. That's a single from their 2020 album, their fifth studio album, MMXX. And that was Hyper Hyper. Hyper Hyper, you pretty and I like ya. That one's for you, Zach. And fun fact, Electric Cowboy, there's a big push for them to be Germany's entry into this year's Eurovision Song Contest. Oh. And Hyper Hyper was going to be the song they were going to go with, but they got turned down, didn't fit the, fit the criteria of the, the kind of music they were looking for. If you can't get metalcore into the Eurovision Song Contest, I don't know what the world's coming to. Tell me about it. Yeah, terrible. But in the last part, we spoke to Julian Gressel and we talked about him getting into podcasting and it's something he really enjoys and he knows he's he's laying himself bare out there, but it's a good way for him to just give fans a little bit of insight into it. And we've seen some really good player podcasts over the last couple of years in MLS. Jordan Harvey and Stephen Betashur had a really fun mm. one as well, and there's a, a few others about. I'd like to see more players involved in that and doing that, because it does give you an insight in the game that... I, I mean, I know our chats, obviously, with the players are fantastic, and you get such great insights with them. Some of the best around, I would say, the interviews that, that we do. But when you're hearing the players interviewing the players, they're a bit more relaxed and they're a bit more open, and it's very interesting, some of the stuff that, that they come out with. So I got a chance to speak to Julian's Z Soccer Podcasts co-host, Fabian Herbers. He plays for Chicago Fire. Spoke to him after that win that they had at BC Place a couple of weeks ago now. 
um, just about why he got into podcasting and just how much he enjoys it. Here's what Fabian had to tell me. What got you involved in podcasting? What made you want to, to do that? Right. Uh, I was always a big podcast fan. Uh, usually when, we drive, when I drive to training or, uh, or at home I'm cooking or, or doing something, you know, to, to have something to listen to that really calms me down and really enjoy listening to it. And I always used to, yeah, listen to big podcasts actually in Germany, but then, um, yeah, also American podcasts like the daily stoic or joe rogan sometimes has interesting guests and stuff like that so so i was a big podcast fan always myself and then julian had asked me like could like two years ago now um if i was open to do something like that because he had done something similar uh for atlanta it was like the Gresselmania, i think called back then and he just wanted yeah he reached out and asked me if i wanted to do just an audio podcast and i was kind of skeptical about the idea uh, at the beginning because you do put yourself out there a lot you know with your opinions and stuff like that but um, I think we've come a long way in the beginning it certainly wasn't uh, as good like quality wise but uh, I think we've yeah we've come along and we've gotten better over time and, and we find uh, people to yeah to like it so so that's that's what uh, we enjoy as well if people enjoy it you know. have you got into any trouble with doing it as any of the opposition players or your current teammates that I didn't like what you said in that um, yeah, there was one thing when I called out Higuain for not being a good teammate at Inter Miami because uh, he always, um, yeah, like his his body language wasn't uh, wasn't good like in the beginning of the season and uh, yeah, I just called him out on that and and that just made like waves, you know, even internationally internationally at, at newspapers. Yeah, he made to, made it to Argentina, I think, in the headlines oh, wow. and in Spain and and wherever, you know, and I got a lot of. Uh, angry Argentines in my DMs on Instagram and, and stuff like that so um, but yeah you, you deal with it you know and then you, you learn from it and, and you keep going but it's, it's at the same time also good publicity for the podcast you know well, you are now 3-0 against Julian in this uh, podcast derby that's correct can you tell me about the Michael Azira Foundation in Uganda I believe Julian will be donating some money. I think Correct. Florian wanted to double it as well. He was telling me. Uh, it would be nice if yeah, if he donates another fifty bucks to it. Yeah. Um, no, the, the soccer fund is, is something that we've started because we yeah we also want to give back as you know athletes and uh, we always have fun side bets and I think it's it's uh, especially when you play against each other it's like a nice nice cause you know the loser has to contribute to something which which goes to a good cause and and yeah the. Uh, Michael Azira Youth, Youth Foundation is the former teammate of mine, uh, originally from Uganda, and he helps the projects there, um, you know, with nutrition, education, you know, helps the kids there. I used to donate a lot of gear that I had back then um, from Chicago, from the Chicago Fire. If you go on the website from Michael Azira, like, there you see a bunch of, like, uh, Ugandan kids with uh, Chicago Fire gear on it, and, and it's really, yeah, really, really good cause, and, and I want to support him. I, yeah, donate usually, like... Uh, every year a couple hundred dollars to him you know to help him out and um, yeah hopefully we can make it big and, and raise uh, as much money as possible for for him and for the kids in Uganda what's been the key to Chicago's recent runner form you won a few games in a row now you're climbing up the table yeah I think it's uh, the team is coming together I think in the beginning um, we, we struggled to score many goals in in, in the games we we're solid defensively, but we struggle to score goals. But but now I feel like the team uh, has gotten more consistent, uh, have put out more consistent lineups, and and um, 
I think it's it's coming to fruition uh, slowly but surely. And and yeah, we've had three three games in a row now that where we we score a lot of goals and and win games. And I think um, yeah, things things start to come together, and hopefully we can keep that going in order for push to the playoffs. Thanks so much. Thank you so good luck for the rest of the season. Fabian Herbers there just talking about the soccer show. And they, they really enjoy doing doing that. And I highly recommend giving it a listen. As I say, I've listened to a couple of the more recent ones. And he's talked about his move to here and his, his first game here. And the, the Z soccer show derby that they have when the, the two of them come face to face. That's not going to be happening that often now. Because I think Whitecaps Chicago is probably going to be every two years that they're going to face off together now. But if you look back at some of the other ones they've done, they, they've covered a lot of interesting topics. They've talked about pride, they've talked about uh, Black Lives Matter, they've talked about just a whole host of things that affect the players. As we spoke about with, with Julian there, it's not a great league for players. And Julian joked that, yeah, if, if a, a player's agent calls a player in the locker room, they're like, oh, you've been traded. And it shouldn't be like that. And we've spoken about it countless times over the years. Hopefully it is something that changes and it needs to be something that players, I think, really push hard for in the next collective bargaining agreement. Yeah, but uh, that's, I mean, part of the problem is, is one, it's the North American model. Two, I think with the whole single entity thing, right? Their contracts with the with the with the league i think the, that maybe plays an issue but yeah they uh, someone the other day asked this weekend or someone was like you know a north from a north american sports background being like okay explain to me how transfers work mm-hmm. and like all this you know money you have to pay for the player and and, and then the salary and the breakup and how does it all work and you should get Joe to explain it to his wife again because they were some yes. good segments on the preview very, show that, that very Joe did. Good. Totally. I enjoyed that. Because, I mean, how do you... It, like, if, if I was sitting with my, my East Fife podcast people and they said, what's this allocation money? Oh, well, And you yeah. try and explain it and all the different mechanisms and they'd be like, so if I see a player I want, I can't just get him? No. Yeah, because there's also discovery rights, potentially. They- if your friends have any questions, just do what Vancouver did and just get Tommy Sohn to explain it to them. Hmm. <laughs> Possibly. But Gillian Gressel, Fabian Herbers, two German footballers in MLS, two German footballers that do a podcast, two German footballers that are proud of being German. But which one is the most German? Who is das Deutsche Meister? <laughs> So we're going to see who's the most German between the two of you. Okay. Three questions. What's your favourite Rammstein song? Rammstein song? Uh, I don't know any. Uh, but the most well, who's your favourite German band then? I only know Rammstein and Electric Cowboy, as they're now called. Right. Uh, and Kraftwerk. <laughs> I, I would say when there was always a rapper back in the days when I was... When I, when I left uh, Germany, coming here, I barely ever listened to German German music anymore. But back then it was a German rapper called Bushido. 
you can ask him about he he will he yeah he will he will he will know who it is but uh, Rammstein no I feel like not a lot of Germans listen to it I feel like it's more an international phenomenon yeah. than, than actual Germans listening to it because the the genre is not just my my type yeah I think. that's right up my yeah. street I like that um, when did you last eat a pretzel last eat a pretzel. For sure, Julian is going to be the more German, but uh, not a big pretzel guy either. Probably, no, I was uh, in Munich actually in the off season, so that's the last oh, well, time. Yeah. I, went, I went actually to Munich and had a, had a, a big, big chunk of beer and, uh, and with a pretzel. That's, that's the one. And last thing, I'm Scottish, so okay. in the UK, Germans have a reputation getting down there like the pool, putting their towels down before anyone can, can get the sun loungers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever done that? Oh, for sure, for sure. You gotta reserve your uh, your mattress or your your chair uh, before before the others come. You know, you you do that in the beginning, and then then you you go to breakfast, and then you come back, and you have your your chair reserved. I've done it before. Yeah. Talking to Fabian, as I mentioned, spoke to him after the game. So we did a little fun thing with him, and we'll we'll do it with you as well, just to see who's the most German between the two of you. So we can compare your, your answers to his. So the first thing I asked him was, do you have a favourite Rammstein song? Do you even like Rammstein? Um, I couldn't even tell you one song of Rammstein. He was the same. I think he's, he mentioned that he feels it's more people outside of Germany that listen to them. Yeah, I think so too. That's actually, that's actually a really good point. But yeah, I couldn't tell you one song, so um, <laughs> not me. I've I've been to see them in in Glasgow of all places as well, so they're an interesting live band. Uh, second question then: When did you last have a pretzel? Um, like three weeks ago, maybe. My daughter gets them sometimes at like farmers markets or something when we see them. So ah. I have like a couple bites here or there. <laughs> there's a there's a few good places here to to get them. I'm sure the the club will, will let you know if your your family want to do that, and then. There's a couple of little German restaurants as well. One of them, the Alpenhaus, is actually just getting knocked down and getting renovated. But there are a few German restaurants in the city. That's awesome. Um, Definitely. And the last thing... Oh, and, and Axel oh, there. Oh, of, of course, yeah. Axel keep you right with everything as well. Uh, and I know that there's a, there's a German guy that's signed for WFC2 and there's an, an Austrian guy coming as well. So there's a... There's a, there's a good European connection building now at, at the club, which I, I like. And the last thing then, just to test your Germanness, in the UK, Germans have a reputation. If you're on holiday and you're at the pool, you get up super early, you go down to the sun loungers, you put your towel on the lounger and you, you stake your spot before anyone else. Have you ever done that? Um, as an adult, no. As a child <laughs> on vacation, our family definitely did it. <laughs> oh, well, Fabian confessed that he still does it, so there you go. <laughs> he still does it. Oh, my yeah. God, I thought it was just a stereotype that we'd kind of conjured up for you in the UK, but apparently it's not, so... No, I think it's, it's a real thing, yeah. I, I haven't done it again, I don't know. Um, but, uh, Fabian, that, that's funny that he does that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess he's more German than me. There yeah. You go. He, he thought you'd be more German than him, so there we go. I don't, don't think we've got a final answer there. So 
So I don't think we've got a conclusive outcome there as to who is the most German. Fabian thought it was going to be Julian. Julian thinks it, it's going to, to be Fabian. And I've got to say, I think, from the answers, I'm sorry, Julian, Fabian Herbers is the most German. Mm. But let's see if he's more <laughs> German than Zach. You spoke proudly of your German heritage before. You, I see the the German World Cup strip hanging up behind you there from <laughs> 1938, is it? That, oh, that my goodness. <laughs> Still not been able to source that one for you. I've put it out to my contacts. No, no, yeah, I do not. I'm on the dark web now trying to get that one for you. <laughs> had, had a few bites, I've got to say. So let, let's see, Zach, are you more German than Fabian or Julian? I'm I going to ask not. you the same three questions. I am not. Okay, go ahead. Question one. What is your favourite Rammstein song? Yeah, I don't listen to Rammstein. Yeah, disappointing. Question two. When did you last have a pretzel? Of any kind? Well, because I, I go through these long spells of not eating the carbs. Uh, I had one. When did I have one? I might, might have... Sometime between now and November. Uh, was it November or was it wow, in that, March? Oh March. I think, I think it was March. I had a packet of pretzels or some of Caitlin's packet of pretzels last week. An actual proper pretzel. I, I, I like oh, yeah. pretzel I'm buns. About, I like no, pretzel I'm talking, buns. I'm talking about proper, proper pretzel. Pretzels. Yeah, I'm might as well about, probably I'm, be last. I'm, talking, I'm just talking about like the ones you get at a bar that you used to have in a bar. Yeah. Not that. I'm talking Actually, about. maybe I would be the start of the year I might have had one. I do like a pretzel. I think pretzel is great. And question three. Mm. If you were on holiday at a beach resort or something. Oh, yeah. Would you be going down early to put your towel on a sun lounger six in the morning to to stake your spot and then go back to bed? Absolutely not, because I don't like to lay in the sun, and uh, and I would not. uh, I would not be. I'd be waking up early to watch football. That's the only thing I would wake up early for. I see you're a good German, but I think Fabian is the the most German out of the three of you because he did admit to still going down and putting the towel down to to claim his spot. And Julian's like, I did that as a kid. Fabian's like, oh, I still do it. (laughs) So there we go. We've got a winner crowned. A fun little section there. Hope you enjoyed that one at home. That's pretty much it for our our German chat. But I'm sure I can maybe find another little bit of German music to kick off part four. But we've got to talk about our one of our favourite German places in Vancouver, Zach. The Alpen Club, home. To the infamous AFTN Lost episode, <laughs> the Lost Tapes. And that's where it should stay, I think. I do have a folder with them. Yeah, I yeah, you should probably. But it's, it. it's getting demolished, or is it demolished already? Uh, well, it's cool. I, I I don't know all the details. I, I know the restaurant is closed now. I, I st- so I think what's happening is they're tearing down the building. They're building something new, and the restaurant is supposed to open again in twenty twenty five. Wow. Uh, um so but i don't know if like the big hall and all that's going to still be there uh I, I don't know all the details but i mean it's such a i don't know for me like an iconic vancouver football viewing venue mm-hmm. i mean i've seen so many uh significant you know world cup and euro games there I've seen champions league finals there i believe at least once and uh and then back in the day, we used to host some supporter gatherings there. Like we had, I don't know, three or four different gatherings there. And whether, and whether they were upstairs in the big hall, which we did at least a couple of times, 
and then downstairs kind of in a, kind of a private area off the restaurant. Because you watch um, some Germany games there, if I remember right. Well, I watched Germany's games, but mm. we would no, we would have like we would have caps away viewings there. Oh we yeah, did, we did we did that like at least three or four times. Because I think you've spoken on the show before. You're a huge fan of the Mannschafts. <laughs> oh my god, uh, the Mannschaft, as in the German national team. Yeah, yeah. I mean after That's Canada, after Canada, that would be. Um, so where are you gonna go now to turn men upside down and hit their leather? pants <laughs> yeah is there, I a, is there a I place because I, 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 I said to julian there were, were some german places in vancouver i was going to try and find out for, there's for the, football, the there's the famous beer versed place but i don't know if they do the vegan ones because obviously julian is a, a vegan i don't well, know if you want to be sitting that, amongst all the smells are you talking about that meat? place like downtown uh, on like pender or wherever it was? yeah it's gone <gasps> um, what, what was that place called uh it was a cool place uh that place is gone though um that's the worst news I've heard Best, today. Besties? Be, oh. Was it called Besties? I don't know. Oh, man. That place was so good. Yeah, it's yeah, I had I ate I there once. It was really good. Oh, well, I, I, we don't didn't really want to end this part on a sad note, but things are getting destroyed. Yeah. That's okay. We'll move quickly on. We've got one more part to come. We're going to turn our attention to League One BC. We've got some interviews as well. We're going to be talking a little bit of Whitecaps too. And we'll be back with all of that after this. Hey, I'm Julian Gressel, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Man sieht ihn um die Kirche schleichen. Seit einem Jahr ist er allein. Die Trauer nahm ihm alle Sinne. Schläft jede Nacht bei ihrem Stein. in Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM and kicking off this part I've played my favourite Rammstein song I was going to go with Du Hast from their 1997 album Senschucht which I've got sitting behind me but instead I went for a song from an earlier album it's from 1995's album Here's the Late but I've played the version from the Lost Highway soundtrack, which is one of my favourite David Lynch films. I don't know mm. if you're a big David Lynch fan or not, Zach, but that is Rammstein with Hirata Mich. Nice. Which is from the soundtrack for that. Do you know what that means? No. Marry me. You might not say think it, it means Say it that. again? Hirata Mich. Hmm. 
The it, it's not a pretty language, German. Let's let's oh, be totally mich, honest. Mich, yeah, okay. your 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 oral. I told you, my hand. oral lets me yeah. down time and time again. Caitlin's always on at me about that. So it is something I'm working hard on. Hi, Rata Mish. Anyway, that is from their 1995 album. It's a song about love. The love of dead people and necrophilia. But still, it's still a song about love. You Are can you see what it is. Yeah. Oh, it, it's, it's a great moment in, the, in Lost Highway as well because Marlon Manson is in the, in the scene as well and it's just all this... In natural German words, I, I can't remember what the words were, but but you heard it there. Anyway, that is my favourite Rammstein song. Maybe I'm more German than all of you. In this part, though, we're moving away from Germany. We're going to be talking Whitecaps again. We're going to kick off by looking at Whitecaps FC2. They got a huge win on Friday night. It, it's oh, yeah. been a week of penalties for the Whitecaps, winning the Canadian Championship on Tuesday and getting a big two points against Houston Dynamo 2 at Swan Garden Friday night. It was tied up after normal time, tied at two apiece in a very entertaining game, played in horrendously hot conditions. I really admire the players for playing as aggressive as they did out there. But yeah, Ungaro made it three goals in two games, which is, is fantastic for him. And he's really, really... Uh, two and a half games, I guess, because he did play the second half as well. But like three goals in two and a half games is, is still a pretty good record. And it's much needed to... If you finish the game tied in MLS Next Pro, you get a point each, and then it goes to a penalty shootout, and whoever wins that gets a, a bonus point. And that bonus point could be really big for, for the Whitecaps in the grand scheme of things. They're chasing down Pamadou Kaz... North Texas side who's been in a bit of a slump but they did yeah. come away with a big win over SKC2 this weekend it's I heard, I heard from right him this week in the mix. Ah, it was ask him if he, if he remembers I'm still standing at Swan Guard waiting to talk to him <laughs> yeah. He, yeah it was his birthday in the last week or well, two tell him happy birthday but Michael wants to know <laughs> why you completely dissed him and kept telling him five minutes at Swan Guard and then just left me standing there looking like a sad plum <laughs> In the rain as well. Not that I'm bitter. <laughs> but anyway, it was, a, it was a good two points haul for WFC2. And they're in tough if they want to make the playoffs. The way the playoffs work, it's split between East and West. So in the West, there's two divisions, Pacific and Central. So whoever wins both of those is automatically in the final four. But then it's the next two best points tallies. And right now, the Whitecaps have got the third best points tally even though they're sitting second in the Pacific Division. So they kind of have to win out the season pretty much or take as many points as they can. But they've made some additions. We talked about Lyle Wright might be coming from York and Easton right. Garrow was one of the other additions and he's got off to a great start. Got a chance to catch up with Easton after the match on Friday just for a quick chat about his move here. Here's what he had to tell me. So Easton, I was, was going to start by by asking you how you're settling in to the club, but you're settling in pretty well. Three goals in the in your first two games. How how have you found coming in mid season to the team? Yeah, I've done it a, a few times now, and uh, you know you just get into it right off the bat. You know you don't have a preseason. You're right into games right away into training, and you just got to do your best to adjust as quickly as you can. And obviously you're coming in after a season in Romania. And what's made you come back to Canada at this point? 
I had some struggles over there, uh, injury-wise, and then also just financially. You know, Romania is known for these financial yeah. problems and not paying salaries, so it didn't make sense for me to. Yeah. yeah, it didn't make sense for me to stay there, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a more comfortable environment where I can see myself succeeding in a more, uh, in, a, in a better way. Yeah, you've had such a good start, and like, don't want to get into the personal discussions you've had with Vani and so on and so forth, but. It's going to be obvious if you put yourself in the shop window, there's going to be an MLS deal kind of looming at the end of it. So that's what's motivating you just now? Yeah, of course. That's the reason I came here with the, with the hopes of getting into the MLS at some point. Um, and, you know, that's why I train every day and do my best in games to try and earn that spot. You've always scored goals. And I remember watching you back in the day. I'd watched you, well, better Golden Bears. And then with Edmonton, with all respect to Edmonton, you were a, a standout player on what was a, a bad team for a couple of seasons, if, if we're being honest. Have you always felt that if you're just in a, a better environment with like better players around you, that it's going to take you to that next level? Yeah, I think that's kind of the idea. You know, the better players you have around you, the better service you get, the better opportunities you get to score. I'm very much a player that relies on service in the area that can just uh, find good spaces and score goals. And, you know, that's kind of just what, what I'm best at. And, you know, the better players around me, the easier that is. You had a, a spell on loan in Denmark, then you had that spell in Romania, and I know there was a, a lot of injuries, but you scored there, you made appearances there. How did you find the, the whole European experience? Money issues aside, did you, did you like what you saw? Did it give you a taste for a bit more? Yeah, definitely. I loved it. You know, big stadiums, uh, passionate fans, a great environment to play in, and a good level. Uh, I really enjoyed especially Romania. I mean... Obviously, things off the pitch aren't always the best, but uh, you know, I would have loved to stay if uh, circumstances were different. How did that come about? Do you have like Romanian connections? I'm not sure what Angaro is like. No, what that? No, no, uh, no Romanian background. Ah. It was just uh, came out for my agent. He had uh, someone else working in Europe that kind of said they're interested. They offered me a contract, and I, and I went for it. It was a uh, you know European team, and I thought you know this is my chance to, to try it over there. And you come from a footballing family. Was it always in the, your destiny you were going to be a pro at some point? Uh, my one uncle was actually a pro. My dad was a track cyclist. Oh. I had an uncle who was also a track cyclist. And, uh, yeah, so my uncle Ross played in the NASL back in the day and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I've played since I was six, seven years old and kind of just uh, not necessarily always knew it would happen, but something I always wanted and dreamt of and worked towards my whole life pretty much. Just last thing, the team just now, huge two points tonight, really needed that for the, the playoff push. How are you looking forward to the end of the season? Yeah, it's massive. I think we have seven games left now and uh, the mindset's we got to get into the playoff and then extend our season a little bit longer and, uh, you know, we're working every day for that. Great. All the very best and good luck. Thank Cheers, you. man. Nice to see you here. So Easton on Garrow there and it's been a... It's been an interesting time for him going over to play in Romania and not getting paid and having issues just like Toss Ricketts has talked about that a lot of players go over to these countries and you think, oh, I'm playing pro, I'm playing in Europe and it's just, it's not happy. What? <laughs> when you say I'm going to play football in Europe, yeah, obviously there are some places that are more uh, desirable and reliable <laughs> reliable as a when you're going as a player, right? And yeah, that's not... Uh, that's not one of them. No. But he's been a great addition to the, the Whitecaps 2 team. And if he keeps up this goal-scoring form, he's going to be having the eyes of Vanni Sartini on him as well. And he's 6'5 or 6'6. Six, six. This is something he's the huge. Whitecaps need. They need a big, tall target man. And I 
I was saying when he was in the the CPL in the past, I'm not sure how good a player he is, but he stood out on a very poor Edmonton side. And up until the end of last season, he was the all-time leading scorer in the CPL as well. He always got the goals. And just seeing his movement in person at that game on Friday, I was so impressed by it. Him and Simon Beecher have linked up really well. And I'm looking forward to seeing what Easton can do. And if he keeps this up, I would not be surprised at all if he gets an MLS deal at the end of it. But, but isn't he one of the, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've seen him play a bunch, but he doesn't really play like a big man, right? There's a lot of these big guys that aren't great aerial threats and they're more, they more play like with the ball at their feet. And he is one of those guys. Yeah, because he's, that's what I was, when I think about him, I think of him being good with his feet, good finishing. If he uh, can not, add something aerial wise, and yeah, he's and not horrible in the air, but no. he's not he's not dominant for sure in the air. But it's been a good week for the Whitecaps with MLS action, lifting the Voyagers Cup, that WFC two win, and then today on Monday, capping off an absolutely fantastic seven days, Whitecaps Girls Elite won the first ever League One BC Women's Championship in an absolutely outstanding match and we've got to say the Whitecaps girls went into this game heavy underdogs Varsity FC were the big favourites they'd won the the regular season title at a canter they're a, a team that is stacked with UBC talent and they added to that with some Canadian under 20 players and some Canada West College alumni as well and they have so many dangerous uh, attackers it's it's a stacked side in the two meetings between the teams in the regular season the varsity won it by a combined total of 7 to 1 and the Whitecaps started the season strong but seven of their older players the 17 year olds the 18 year olds moved on to college and left midway through the season so this was a Whitecaps side that was full of 15 and 16 year olds and they they lost three of their first four games. And they were struggling to find their rhythm. And then they came up against Varsity and Varsity just bulldozed them. But I spoke to Katie Collar, the head coach of the Whitecaps, before the, the final. And she said, I'm confident that they can do this. I think you'll be surprised. And I caught with her after the game today and she said, see, trust the process. I told you, trust the process. I told you this team was going to do it. And what a performance. The Whitecaps went down 53 seconds into yes. this. Was, yeah. Was it Gemma? Je- Jenna Baxter. Jenna. Jenna SFU yeah. player who's assistant coach at SFU now. And that was her seventh goal of the season. She has been in outstanding form for, for Varsity. One of those additions that I was talking about to the UBC players that Varsity have. So 53 seconds in and you're thinking, uh-oh. This is going to be a rout. And it was the one thing I feared because it would not have been a good advert for the women's division, which has been so good this, this season. It went right down to the wire. The Whitecaps clinched their spot in the, their last game of the season. And there was three teams in contention for that second championship spot. So it's been some great action. And when they went down, I was like, uh-oh, because they went with a back three against a lethal front three for Varsity. And I just feared the worst. And then Varsity took it to them. But then from the 10th minute onwards, although you said the highlights didn't really show this, it was all Whitecaps. Whitecaps dominated play. Now, Varsity maybe had the better goal-scoring opportunities yeah. and they crashed one off the post in the post, second half in yeah. this Tomei. But the Whitecaps dominated possession. 
and launched wave after wave of attack. They just couldn't find the key to unlock or break down a, a really tough varsity defence. They'd only given up seven goals in their 12 games so far. Yeah, watching the highlights online, it was like, yeah, the Whitecaps had chances, but you're right. The, the, the far better chances were UBC, and it felt like, I think it was, I think that post came like, what, like in the 75th minute-ish? Yeah, if that had gone in, I mean, that was game over. There was, there was no way yeah, back. Varsity it, would have won the championship, and folk would have thought, yep, that's what, but, what we but expected. Then, but, but then Vancouver, so late. Oh, 83rd minute, Iba Oching poked home a corner from Geneva Hernandez-Gray, who was outstanding. Like, I was about to name her player of the match when she then scored the winning goal in the 88th minute. And that sealed the deal that she was the player of the game. But Ibo Oching finished from the six-yard box and then four minutes, five minutes later, Hernandez Gray, about a 20-yard strike, just flew in the back of the net. And the absolute joy on those young girls' faces. Geneva Hernandez Gray, 15 years old. There is so many players on that Whitecap side that have so many bright futures ahead of them in the women's game, whether it's going to be with the national team going into NWSL, obviously going to the college ranks as well. They need a pro team in Canada. They need a pro league in Canada to showcase this talent. A bulk of this Whitecaps side is made up from the under-17 Canadian side that's going to be going to India in October for the, the World Cup. And this has been great preparation for them getting that chemistry, playing together as a team. They brought players in from around the different Rex programmes across Canada. And I was so delighted for them. It's just seeing the joy in their faces. If you check out our photos, the residual image Tommy Wazik's taken today, I put some up on Twitter already. Oh, it was fantastic. And then when you see the girls afterwards, they're so young. But it was a great performance with the Whitecaps. I did get a chance to speak to head coach Katie Collar after it. Here's what she had to tell me. So, Katie, how does that feel? First season in charge, first ever League One BC champions. It feels amazing, honestly. Um, couldn't be more proud of the girls, the work that they put in all season, the adversity that they faced, everything that they did to get here, and then to ultimately battle back and win. Man, it's amazing. <laughs> You go one down a minute in and you know what this varsity team can do, you know what they did to you over the season. What were you thinking at that stage? I'll be honest, I knew what we had in us. Uh, I still thought we were going to win the game. I still believed in the kids and when they hit the post in the second half, I knew we were going to win the game. I mean, it was fully deserved because that second half, there was only one team that was going to win and that was you guys. What did you say to them at half time? Because they came out like a team possessed. Yeah, you know, it was just about keeping the mindset, keeping building on the things that we did in the first half that we were having success. We tweaked a couple little things tactically, but overall it was the mindset and the winning mentality that they had and they brought all the way through. And last thing, Geneva Hernandez-Gray, I was going to make her a player of the game on commentary before she scored that goal. Absolutely outstanding, not just today, but all season long. So many of these girls, so many bright futures ahead of them. Yeah, Geneva was awesome. You know, we had a lot of good performances. That's the one we've been waiting for her to score all season and I couldn't be more happy for her to finish it off on the winning goal. Thank you so much. Congratulations. It's been a pleasure watching you this year. Thanks, Kate. Go and enjoy it. A jubilant Katie Collar there, and rightly so as well. I, I really, I doff my cap to this Whitecap side. They had a never-say-die fighting spirit and two goals in the last 10 minutes of this one. Two well-taken goals as well. 
get out and watch these girls play. It, it's been a fantastic League One BC season. The Whitecaps, though, are not going to be BC's representative at the... It's kind of the first League One championship. It's more an inter-provincial championship, they're calling it just now. The winner of League One, Ontario. Two representatives from Quebec, Laval, who are the host city, and a representative from the PLSQ. And it's going to be Varsity FC that go through to represent BC. They're just the, the team that could guarantee having a a full team to be able to send to the tournament in mid-August because a lot of the teams are disbanding and, and going back to colleges or wherever. So that takes place next week, not this coming week, but the week after in Laval. And it's going to be played indoors, which I'm not sure what I think about. But Varsity should be a good representative for BC in that. And they've got to get over this hump of doing it in championship games. They lost the Canada West game to Trinity Western. They've lost the Laval in a in a key game as well in the in U Sports Championship. So they've got to try and get over that hump and interested to see how they they shape up for that one. Got a chance to speak to head coach Jesse Simons after the match. Here's what he had to tell me. So Jesse I guess you could say what went wrong today after the, the season you had started so strongly and then from about 10 minutes in the Whitecaps seem to just take over. We've not seen your team play like that all year. Yeah, I think as a team we uh, we got the early goal and, and we're, we're in good spirits. I thought we had some set pieces that just weren't there. Uh, we talked a lot about finding ways to just stay really tight defensively because we expect excitement from them and uh, we got that. I felt actually in transition we were pretty good. Um, and uh, I'm lucky on the, the one that hit the post, that goes 2-0. You never know what would have happened then off, off uh, the back post. But yeah, I uh, credit them off a set piece. And then uh, late goal was a great, great goal to finish the game off. I mean, emo- emotionally after the final whistle, it's hard to kind of say too much. But when you look back at the season you've had, it's been a good season. One result, you can't let tarnish the season. What do you take from this now moving into the college season? Yeah, it's a college uh, season. It's what it was about this year is preparing players. And uh, yeah, I think I think the league did a very good job of that. I think we're going to be really excited to start our, our Can West season. I think as well, though, representing BCA League One at the uh, at the Canadian League One Championships next week will be a lot of fun. And uh, we'll definitely come ready and uh, able to go at Blainesville in that first game. So obviously, I disappointed Jesse Simons not lifting that, but it was a great regular season for Varsity. They also won the regular season in the men, and that combined total saw them lift the Juan de Fuca plate. They yeah. are the, the holders of it. It was handed over by the Swan Guardians today, and they had to hand it over to Jesse Simons and two of the Varsity players because Varsity don't have a supporters group. So hopefully that is something that they can work on for next season. It was, a, it was the most muted celebration of the Juan de Fuca plate I've seen <laughs> probably because it came right after them losing a championship game it was not the best timing to to make that mm. award I think it should have yeah. been at the start yeah, or would... the, the last regular season game because they dropped it up by then yeah that that seemed poor timing and poor poor planning yeah definitely was but that was the women's side of League One BC. On the men's side, the women's game was a cracker and the men's one was as well. Check out the highlights on Home Team Live's YouTube channel. Yep. Uh, absolute fantastic game between TSS and Varsity again. 
This was your proverbial tale of two halves. TSS bossed the first half. They got a lead in the 14th minute. Kyle Jones buried a penalty that for me was never a penalty. I, I wh- praised Mo Messini's as a referee and I didn't think that was a penalty. That's definitely not a penalty. Mihai Holdu was incandescent. And, oh, Mike Mosher was absolutely fuming on the sideline, rightly so, for varsity as well. But upstepped Kyle Jones, finished with aplomb from the spot. Such a good player. He's one of a number of players that we've seen in League One BC this season that has to go on and play in the CPL. And it's it's disappointing for me. I touched on this in the broadcast. Someone like Eric Edwardson, who's the, the league's leading scorer, 10 goals in the season. He's been outstanding for TSS. He's been outstanding for FC Tigers in the Fraser Valley League, Portland Pilots, before that in NCAA. He's 25 now. Edmonton had a look at him at the start of the season. Tigers All went right. to play yeah. Eddie's in a, a friendly, and Eric was one of the players that Alan Koch was looking at. And the feedback was, yeah, he's a good player, he's got talent, but he's 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 too old for what we're looking to do here at 25. Mm. And I think that's all wrong. And I, I know it's about encouraging young players, but this is a 25-year-old Canadian player that's got experience of playing over in Europe and Germany. Yeah, He's got the skills. He's the leading scorer in League One BC. He's only 25 is nothing. Yeah, you have This to take guy some, deserves a look. You have to take some chances on late bloomers or incorporate yeah. some late bloomers longer. I mean, you think in the, in the world game, like when I think late bloomer striker, I think of Luca Toni. Who was mm. nothing until his like mid to late, tw- well, probably late twenties, before he became any any anything of quality, and then you know went on to win a World Cup and you know be a superstar at Bayern essentially. Um, it's one of those things that annoys me because for a lot of these guys, when they were eighteen, these opportunities weren't there for them. Exactly. Well, so you're just you're thing. writing them off and you're sending them away because you feel they're too old. I think someone will take a look at him, and I would not be surprised if it's Rob Friend with the, the Langley team next year, because from, from what we're hearing in League One BC circles, that that team wants to make it a team primarily of local talent. Oh, well, yeah. I, I mean, look I mean, look what they, I mean, look what they did at Pacific, right? The same ownership group. Look at their approach there, how they ran the team. I expect it to be very, very similar yeah. here in terms of, you know, no one did more, no one played more young Canadians uh, than, than Pacific did, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I, I think I think you'll see a similar approach to uh, to the team that come that's part of the Vancouver 2023. Yes, <laughs> team playing out of Langley. So I mean, Eric Edwardson, I feel deserves that chance. I've actually put him on the radar of East Fife, and because we're needing a striker and a winger just now, and he fits the bill perfectly. And they are interested; they might get in touch. Whether Eric wants to go and play fourth tier Scottish football, it's a whole other matter. I haven't had a chance to speak to Eric about that. If you listen to the show, Eric, get in touch if you want to play for East Fife. I'll, <laughs> I'll get you over there. But yeah, it was one 0 to TSS at half time. They bossed the first half. I don't know what Mike Mosher said to his side at half time. I can't imagine he got a yellow card in this game for not being happy with certain things. And Varsity came out, all guns blazing in the second half, and it just felt like a matter of time before they were going to get the equaliser. They did. Victory Shambusho rose to head home after having a quite a quiet game. Him and Caleb Clark were mm. kept at bay by a very, very good TSS defence. After that, I've got to be honest, I thought Varsity would go on and get the second. They certainly controlled the play. TSS started to come back into it and had chances towards the end. But this was another game, Zach. I know you're not going to be happy. It's a championship game that went straight to penalties. 
I have yeah. mixed feelings on this one. And yeah, actually, I'll tell you why after yours. Well, my, this this all I'll say is, uh, yeah, one, I, I think it should go to uh, extra time before penalties. However, this is like technically what it, is the semi pro league, right? Yes. Or, or so in that case, I have less of an issue, <laughs> right? Well, like if this is not a fully professional league, so yeah, expecting the players to play longer, or whatever. Um, I spoke to Will Cromack after it, and we'll yeah. hear from him shortly. And he felt it would not have been a good spectacle for the spectators because both teams were dead on their feet in the, in right. the heat. It was it peaked, I think, at 28-29. They had titration breaks. It was so hot on the pitch. And the action definitely dipped because they, they, both teams came out like hell to leather in the first 10-15 minutes, and it soon started to take its toll. And the action definitely dipped a bit, but then picked up towards the end. I don't know that it would have been a, a good half hour. Dino but, but, Rossi but that's, was... But that's the... I mean, that that's a, a different part of the discussion, right? Like, that's a, like, on the day would have been good for this. That's... To me, it's more philosophically what's best for the game. Well, as yeah. A, as but a whole, I, right? I did speak to Dino Rossi, who's the League One Canada yeah. commissioner. Yeah. So he was there today. Only chatted to him before just on Twitter and stuff. So it was nice to meet him in person with a, a good little chat. Hope to get him on the show sometime as well, just to, to chat about all quality, all stuff. quality fellow. Oh, what he's done for Canadian football and is still doing for Canadian football is absolutely fantastic. Pleasure to chat to him today. And he said it's so difficult when you're organising double headers to try and allow time for a, a potential extra half hour that then if it doesn't take place, You've got big gaps between the games, and I, I, I do get that, and I still think I, in an ideal world, you have the extra half hour, but it's the first season. I, I can, I can take it. Today. Oh yeah, I know. I messaged you, and I was like, "This is happening again, another time mm. in Vancouver, and same in a week." But no, the fact that it's semi-professional for me makes it um, more under, uh, understandable. Yeah. In terms of you know the players being dead on their feet and tired or whatever. Yeah, it might not lead to as exciting football as the first 90 minutes, but I mean, those kinds of things also can lead to a bunch of scoring if players yeah. are tired and they make errors. And well, Varsity had used all their subs as well, so even if they were going to get an extra one for extra time, they wouldn't have had any left because, interestingly, they did in Australia. What does that mean? They didn't have enough subs? No. Uh, do you Did you watch the World Cup qualifier Australia and it went to extra time? And then it went to penalties. And in the last dying seconds of extra time, Australia subbed their keeper, Andrew Redmayne, in. The Wiggles oh. man. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Varsity brought in Lucas Strouts, the more experienced no. six-foot-seven goalkeeper for the right. penalty shootout. But they, Australia brought in the subkeeper, and so did Varsity. Six-foot-seven. Could not get his hand to any That's of the penalties amazing. from TSS. They were five of the best penalties you will see in a penalty shootout. They were pretty calm, cool, and collected penalties. Yeah, all in the bottom corner or top corner. Even a six-foot-seven goalkeeper couldn't get to him. And Varsity's first four penalties were also excellent. Yeah. But then up-stepped their goal scorer, Victory Shambusho. I said in the commentary, he looks nervous. It's He took forever to walk from the halfway line, and that's that's never a good good. sign. No. And I, I think he overplayed it in his head. He's got the Swan Guardians behind the goal. I'm sure giving him the gears and yelling at him. And it was a poorly hit penalty. Justin Sandu from TSS got down, made the save. Jubilant scenes. Yeah. 
as an owner of TSS, <laughs> I feel I have won the League One BC Championship today. Congratulations. Thank That's you, why I sent you the text. Yeah. I, I did get to pose with it afterwards as well. Had to be unbiased on the commentary. Allegiances were torn because I've called UBC games since 2017. I've called TSS games since 2017. They're the two teams that mean a lot to me because they, they gave me my, my chance to do regular commentary. And it was tough. One of them had to lose today, but I don't own a part of Varsity. So well done, TSS Rovers. <laughs> yeah, a, a big, big day for all the owners, for all the people involved in running the club. And yeah, what a way to cap off their first uh, their yeah. first season in League One BC and their first season with this setup of, of involving the community in the way they have. So going to bring you some audio and I'll explain what happened in the audio after you hear it. But... Here's me chatting with a very emotional TSS Rovers head coach, Will Cromack. So, Will, what a culmination to your first season in League One BC. This has been a long time in the making. When you look at this team coming in in 2017 as the outsiders, the fresh faces, you've worked so hard, you've put together a strong academy. You've reaped the rewards today. Yeah, you know, I mean, like everything, it's hard to put into words, but I'm looking over there at Andre Bears from center back from our first year. Janko Vong just came out, gave me a hug. This guy's here at the Whitecaps. You know, we got you guys here. Like, we just put in so much time. It's just, it's unbelievable. Oh, you get all emotional. I didn't think you were going to get emotional on me, man. Oh, it's been so long. <laughs> but I wouldn't ask you too much then. That game... I mean, first half, you came out so strong. Yeah. And then it was like, I don't know what happened in the second half. Yeah. I don't know whether Mike just ripped one off them at halftime or what. Oh, but... I think it might have just been the heat. I just, you know, yeah, you guys really stopped bad. playing. It wasn't, I mean, I love Swangard, but it wasn't the best. The surface didn't play very quick and, and, and very um, stylishly today. It was bouncing a lot. Um, so, you know, I don't think that helped either team. Uh, certainly, we like to play it a little bit more. I think a few guys might have been nervous. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what it what it was, but it wasn't our. It was probably one of our least fluid games of the whole season. Yeah. Right. Like we played some nice stuff all year and not got the result, and today we played some ugly stuff and ended up with a result. So football, fuck, I don't know what it is, but it's part of it. Was that a penalty for you? It wasn't for me. I've got to say. Uh, yeah. Actually, you don't care. I, I don't, <laughs> that's exactly what I said on the sideline. I've suffered so many of those. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm going to have to look back, but uh, the guys thought it was. I, I was looking the other way, to be honest. Yeah. The, the penalty shootout then, it's not the ideal way to win it, but no. you, don't, you don't care how you win no, it. No, no. I mean, penalty, penalty shootouts and, and everything on the planet, it's the worst way to lose, and you'll take it if you win. But clinical penalties, all yep. five yep. men. Every, every, single, stuff. every single one of those guys, every guy, we, we for the whole week, we had our guys exactly like they would do it in the center circle. Two different teams, two different goalies. We we practice it. Uh, every guy had to like choose where they're gonna go. Uh, we had our keeper prepared in terms of the way that he would grab the ball and walk it back. So we we, we walked through it all. I mean we 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 have a staff that that worked their asses off. They're all volunteers, but every little detail we tried to we tried to treat like a pro. 
So that, that's what we did. Justin Sandu, the penalty save, he's been absolutely phenomenal for you all season. He's yep. got such a bright future ahead of him. 100%. Knew his dad, uh, played with his dad. Um, fantastic guy. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, Justin dislocated his finger and uh, we, we weren't sure we were going to have him. So we were out. You know, Tyson stepped in for those two games. Uh, then off he went to university. But yeah, Justin was our guy the whole way. Long, lot of stuff for him to do, but you know, this is why we have this league. So they have these moments, so they, they feel it and they, and they do all the work. So at the end of the day, when you have a pro and you want to be a pro, you got to feel these moments, you got to do those sort of things. So, and he's done that and he's done it brilliantly. So, what are you laughing at? No, I'm just. Yeah. Oh! It's only, uh, at least it's only Gatorade. At least I got a heads up from Mark yeah, there, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'm really happy about that. Last question then. Um, the fans today, they were phenomenal. They were phenomenal all season. The yep. support you've had getting an ownership group in place. Yep. Talk a little bit about that. Well, well, listen, guys, I mean, we don't pretend to be anything that, that, that we aren't. We're, we're a community club. You know, uh, we're not owned by an institution. We're not owned by a big bubble downtown. Uh, we don't have billions, but every, every person that's an owner of this club um, gets to say they're part of history being the first of its kind. And I would say that that type of ownership got us to a point like this, where people want to play for us, people want to be in front of that crowd. Uh, I don't care how big it is, they're loud, they're, they care, uh, they, they talk to us all the time, online and offline. They want the best for these guys. And at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's what being a pro is about. People that care and drive you forward. So, they're the best, man. Congratulations, you smell of orange. I'm sure you don't care. Have a good night. Cheers, <laughs> Rovers head coach Will Cromack there. Tears in his eyes and started to fill up during the, his answer to the first question there. It was lovely to see. I didn't think he would be. And then as we're doing the interview, I saw people wandering about with a big tub of Gatorade. <laughs> and I thought, I know what's coming. So as we asked the question there, and he's like, what are you laughing at? And then I just backed off as he got a Gatorade showered during the, the interview. <laughs> and I managed to avoid all of it, which was good because he stunk of orange after that <laughs> it was it was good but it, it was a great occasion and I just wanted to see what TSS have done they've worked really hard the spirit of the Rover Supporters Trust worked really hard to get this fan ownership involved and to make people feel that they're part of a club and they've had good attendances all season they've been in the high hundreds today the attendance at Swan Guard 1,257, I think it was. might have been 67. Mm. It looked more, to be honest. I thought it was a couple of thousand there. But it, w it was a great turnout. It was great to, to see folk come out and support League One BC. It's been a great inaugural season. There's going to be at least one new club coming in next season. Only one? I thought there was a whole bunch. There, there's been five in the mix. Nanaimo seem the hot favourites that we take it up to eight. There, there's They don't want to dilute the talent. That's the thing as yeah, well, right, especially right, right. in the women's side of it, because it was a struggle for some of the, the teams to fill the rosters. Now, it's great for the university teams. They've got that as their core. Yeah. But it's been a bit tough for some of the other teams, and they don't want to dilute that quality. So you're facing 
limiting the roster size to have more parity and spread these players around, which still could be a headache for some of the university teams because then they've got like 24, 27 players and it's like, well, we don't want to give them to our opposition. Yeah. So it, it, it it's a tough one, but it it's at least eight. I'm hoping it's 10. It looks like it's going to be maybe a 14 or a 16 game season. So 14 would make sense if there's just one team coming in. Hopefully it's going to not be so compact as well because I I called four match days, which was eight games in an eight-day period in the build-up to the final, which is exhausting. And I loved every minute of it. For the players' point of view, these games need to be spread out a little bit. But I think it was a great first season. Well done, BC Soccer. There's a lot of things to take forward. There's a lot of improvements. There's a lot of things that didn't go great. And I won't go into them just now. We'll maybe get Pete Shad on one of the shows or I've said to Shan Bagshaw, the commissioner, that we'll, we'll chat to her as well on one of the shows and just get a, a kind of post-season wrap-up of how they felt it went. A lot of positives, some negatives, but a lot to build on. And the one thing it showed is men and women's side, there's so much talent here in BC, they've just needed a place to play. They now have that. And the, and the women's side in particular, they now need more opportunities. For real, yeah. Congrats to the TSS men and uh, Whitecaps FC elite women on uh, on being the inaugural winners. Great stuff, great season, great show. Hope you've enjoyed it. That is pretty much it for it. But of course, we can't go without this episode's wavelength. And I've kept the German theme going to the end. It's a Polish band. That's not the German theme, by the way. I, I know you guys try to claim Poland, but it's a it's an actual Polish band with a, a song taken from their 2018 album Delfina and this is simply called Franz Beckenbauer Zupałem woda zamienia się w parę 
Jeśli zatańczę to za karę Gesty czułe i dojrzałe celebruję Dziś sumie Ile wytrzyma serce wiem Chwyć mnie za ręce Chwyć mnie za ręce Kto odmiuje to ocali Gdy są reszki Kochani sam ze sobie więcej Chwyć mnie za ręce Chwyć mnie za ręce Walczę z upałem Woda zamienia się w parę Dziś walczę Woda zamienia się w parę Dziś walczę i zupałem Woda zamienia się w parę Podaję piłkę jak fast back and boy Polish band Bonick there, Franz Beckenbauer and I, I translated the lyrics from Polish to English to see if it is a football song because it's in Polish, how do I know? Franz Beckenbauer is at least mentioned in the song, so that gave me some hope. There's one line in the song that says, I pass the ball like Franz Beckenbauer. So I'm claiming that as a wavelength song. Yeah. I couldn't find a, another song I wanted to play about Franz Beckenbauer, and I wanted to honour Germany's best player of, of all time, in my opinion. Would you agree with that? Uh, to me, he's the greatest footballer yep. of all time. The Kaiser. Der Kaiser. He was, yeah, I, uh, yeah, that was... <laughs> When I was, <laughs> when I, you'll love this, Michael. When I was younger, uh, and I was a, uh, the the church I went to, we had a like a day camp that ran throughout the whole summer, <clears throat> and uh, so I was a I was a, like a, uh, well, I was, first I was a volunteer like junior counselor, and then I was like a paid, like senior counselor at the at the camp, and you have to have a, a camp nickname, and um, I think I I had one one that was related to something else but i think it was i started there might have maybe i switched it later anyways my my camp name was der kaiser oh. because of that so the little kids running did you wear an armband with führer on it spielfuhrer no oh um, spielfuhrer sorry yeah but no all the kids running around calling me der kaiser was, was that has been i'd love that i'd, I'd still have so today running around I, I, calling you that i was a speaker at a camp this summer and they were like dude you got to have a camp name and i was like well this is the only camp name I I have that I care about. And they're like, yeah, maybe let's think. Most people think of bu- the bun, right? When they think of it, but so anyways. Yeah, so I was, and you've got great buns. Well, thank you. Um, well, this, this, uh, so this year I went with Yoda. Uh, here's a fun fact for me. When I was trying to get a song about Franz Beckenbauer, I didn't have any that I knew, none in my collection. So I did a, a quick Google search. And it came up with a list, top 10 Franz Beckenbauer songs. And I thought, oh, got to get ones in here. Listened to a couple and they were kind of like, just not not for me. And there's some by Franz Beckenbauer himself as a singer, because he had a, oh. a singing career for a while. So I nearly went with one of those, but I didn't. And then one of the songs listed was Big Hairy Balls. Oh my. And I was like, that can't be a song. So I googled Big Hairy Balls. That was mistake number yeah, one. Yeah, don't do that. I, I don't know. I, I've been tired. It's been a long day. Um, but then I find out it's got nothing to do with a Franz Beckenbauer <laughs> song. I don't know how that even made that top. Someone's just put something in for a bit of fun. Someone spoke into Surrey the wrong way. Yeah, I don't know. But that is it for this episode of the AFT and Soccer Show. I hope you've enjoyed it. Our German-themed special with a lot of white caps thrown into boot. 
We'll be back with another show soon. But before we go, Zach, let everyone know where they can find you online. Any final thoughts or anything that you've learned this week? I You can find me on Twitter, at Zachary M, uh, occasionally tweeting there. Uh, no, I just want to say congratulations to everyone involved in, in League One BC. Uh, you know, from Peter Shad and those at BC Soccer to uh, to Sh- Sean Bagshot. And uh, yeah, all the different people involved with the, on the league side, the seven clubs. This is um, an important step for football in BC, which coincides with important steps for football in our country. Um, the pyramid is growing. The pyramid is uh, continuing to expand. And this Division Three level in our pyramid, um, I think in a decade's, let's say a decade's time or so, we're going to... Uh, I think e- appreciate this even more when there's a, a fuller pyramid. I hope sooner than that, because I might not be here in a decade. I might be back in Scotland by that point, enjoying my entire life there. by the beach. But, but also, yeah, I also want to give a, a, I'm proud of you, Michael, for all the stuff you've done. I know you've loved it and it's been oh, really enjoyable. I've listened to some Thank of your, you. to some of your stuff and some of the different awesome people you've worked with, like Alex and Gideon and, Ben Steiner. Ben Steiner, and there's a few others. Some I'm probably not supposed to say their, <laughs> their names. Um, but yeah, uh, but a bunch of other people you've worked with along the way for this. And um, yeah, no. So uh, kudos to everyone involved. And uh, this is uh, this is a really awesome thing. And looking forward to continue to grow and develop. Yeah, the future is certainly bright for Canadian soccer. It's great to just have a, a small part to, to play in that as well. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. Read our stuff away from the numbers, AFTN.ca. We'll have full League One BC championship coverage in that. Some uh, great photos from Tommy Wazek, residual image. We'll have some of the audio that you've heard in the show in an article as well, just looking back at those championship games. And I, I think what I've learned this week, just moving away from Canadian football, moving away from German football, I, I just want to kind of finish... With a little song. Hello, hello, how do you do? We are the boys from New Bayview. We hate the scum from Cowdenbeath. We are East Fife, top of the league. Because the new football season started. East Fife, 3-1 winners over Elgin, top of the league. Will it continue? Probably not. Let's just make the most of it while we can. And that's a good way to go through life as well. We'll be back soon. As always, thank you so much for listening and supporting us at AFTN. We always appreciate that. Take care. Mon the Caps. Mon TSS. And most importantly, Mon Canadian Football. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.
E F